Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. You are now tuned in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches, they find home on your mind about a double. This the weekly scraps. You don't need a map, GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. It ain't shit, it ain't shit. Motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps, episode 218. Wow. First off, can I just say what a great, great mega fight between the one and only Islam Mahachev versus the one and only Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky at 155. Put some respect on that man's name when you discuss the great. Volkanovski. Man, I will say right out of the gate, very, very competitive and entertaining fight. Having you on the edge of your seats, just wondering what's going to happen. Can Islam knock him out? But before we get into this, just want to remind you guys that my song Go Dumb is dropping tonight at midnight. Um, Actually, this is going to come out tomorrow. So it's actually going to be out now. Go Dumb on all streaming platforms. Go check that out. Myself and my brother from the same mother, same papa. I'm actually I'm actually happy about this because it's the first song that we've actually done together. Like on a serious note, not like joking around or whatever. And I'm actually really excited about it because I always wanted to make a song at least once before I was done with my MMA career. I, I said, this has got to be something on my bucket list. And obviously... Um, I'll let the people be the judge. You guys tell me what you think. I think it's pretty dope. I don't think it's like, I'm not going to say it's Drake. Oh, this is a crazy banger for the summer. But I'm going to say it's a pretty good song for an MMA fighter who doesn't really rap full time, like at all. You know, but I would like to do more because, again, hip hop was one of my favorite things that I loved growing up watching. Lil Wayne, um, the Hot Boys, all those type of things. Um, who else was back there? Even Lil Chingy. <laughs> like the way you do that right there like there's so many like cool artists that came through um Nas, Nelly, Biggie, um uh DMX, you got Tupac. There's just the list goes on and on and on, man. And of course, one of my favorites these days is Champagne Poppy, Drizzy Drake, 21 Savage. Check those guys out. Of course, we already know 21 and the boy that's why we listen to 21 in the boy because they drop bars. That's what we want, the bars we are putting on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's a reference from the song Her Loss, um, one of the songs on that album. Go check it out. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what I'm even talking to you about this for. Uh, <laughs> um, but let's move on. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got that out. AljamainStone.com, go check out everything on there as well. But back to this, UFC 284 in the books. Great fight, back and forth. Uh, I'm going to say... Let's start off with this. Makachev is still who we think he is. Um, I'm going to say he's not. I think we've now gotten the questions answered that he is not unbeatable. He does bleed blood like all of us other human beings do. He can have his takedown stopped. He does have good striking as well. And if you can stop his takedowns and you take him to the later rounds, you can pose some troubles 
with him where he did look like he was slowing down a bit. Of course, that last minute where he took got taken down and he pulled guard and Volkanovski starts trying to land as many punches as he could, even though he did a very good job. Makachev did a great job defensively in that guard, trying to be as responsible as possible, even while he was pretty damn tired. Um, I think he would admit that he was pretty damn tired at that point as well. But Volkanovski did what he needed to do, try to put on like the burners at the end. And again, it just goes to show that yeah, people give these guys a lot of praise, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I think you have to also respect other fighters because one of the things that definitely annoys me is that a lot of the fans from the Caucasus regions, particularly the Dagestanis, um, the Chechenian fighters, um, and I like those guys. I'm friends with Timur. I'm friends with, uh, I don't say f- like friends like we hang out all the time, but I'm friends very cordial with Umar, Khabib. Whenever I see these guys, it's like they're cool people. But the fans from that region just tend to be like, like you can't make, you can't do an analysis on the fight because the moment you say anyone has an ability that's good in this, like you give credit based on what you've seen this athlete do in previous fights. The moment you say that that athlete does a great job with this, they go, no, you're just a hater. And I'm going like, how am I a hater if I'm analyzing and breaking down the fight? If I'm going to make a bet, which I don't do, but if I'm going to make a bet, if I'm going to make a pick, I got to watch the fights. If I'm going to fight these guys. I got to watch the fights. I got to see what they do well, what the other person does well. How can I use my strengths to my advantage? And that's what I do. I break down fights. I analyze them to see where they have the strengths. Volkanovski, to me, still has the advantage in the striking department. Yeah, there's a size discrepancy. So when Makachev cracks Volkanovski when he's coming in, yeah, it looks bad. Like, Volkanovski ran into a lot of punches that I've never seen him do against anybody else. And Islam did a great job just being patient and letting those strikes come to him, which is one of the things I thought he did for, like extremely well in this matchup. With that being said, it's hard to give a criticism, and criticism could be good or it could be negative. And uh, most people think, look at critiquing as it has to be negative. I'm like, no, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you for your, I want you to criticize my work and let me know what you thought I did well, what you thought I did bad, or what I could do better. That's critique. I like to think that's what critiquing means, you know. So, with that being said, um. That fan base can just be a little too much like, yo, you guys are like psychopaths at this point because you can't even get a word. It's like trying to talk to somebody who just starts screaming. It's just like, um, are we having a debate? Are we having a conversation? Or are we just having a yelling contest? If we're going to have a yelling contest, I'm out. And that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Because I'm just like, I see these guys, they comment and be like, you're an Islam hater. I'm like, dude, I love watching Islam fight. I love watching Khabib fight. I love watching Umar Nurmagomedov fight. I even watch his brother Usman Nurmagomedov fight. I like watching Saeed Nurmagomedov fight. I like watching Shafkat fight. Hamza, I watch all these guys fight. I'm an MMA fan. But the moment I try to say what another person does well, it's like, oh, you're a hater. It's the weirdest, the weirdest thing. And if they don't think that's weird, then I don't even know what else to say. It is what it is. Again. Makachev did great, timing Volkanovski coming in, catching him with that check right hook over and over again. Um, I wanted to see later in the rounds if Volkanovski could get Makachev down, which he almost did multiple times with the body lock situations, trying to reap the leg. Um, One moment looked very promising, but Makachev's hips were just too good. Even when he got down to his knee, he got right back up, popped up, and uh, had a strong wizard. Stayed in great position, didn't take much damage, and it just goes to show you the high level and versatility that Makachev has. Makachev. Now, 
giving credit to Volkanovski, stayed in there, was in tough positions, even though he got taken down, didn't panic, didn't take a lot of damage when he got taken down. And that's what the fight was. And even when I was breaking down this fight, I go, if Volkanovski can get taken down, or should I say when he gets taken down, because that's what I said too. I said when he gets taken down, unless he knocked him out cleanly, can he minimize the damage? Can he put damage on Makhachev and make him pay for the takedown attempts and zap his energy? Or will he just get taken down and ragdolled for 25 minutes? And we saw that he did his homework and he looked great. I mean, pound for pound means if everything was equal, pound for pound, skill, speed, power. So obviously if I'm a 125er and I'm fighting Francis and Ghana at heavyweight, that's can't this pound for pound would mean if we were the same weight and we had our skill, who would be better? Um, I mean, if you're looking at like a guy like Mighty Mouse or something like, of course, if you supersize him to heavyweight, how heavy is a weight? Is he going to be the same exact size? So when we're talking pound for pound, we have to make everything as equal as possible. Same weight class, um, maybe in their primes, like he was pound for pound, one of the best, or she was pound for pound, one of the best. That's typically what I think when I talk about um, a statement like that in that category. Not what have you done for me lately. Like that, that does matter too. But at the same time, it's what have you done for me lately. But we're also talking about what have you done for me lately, the technique. And we're also talking about if everything was equal. So if we have those three factors. If Volkanovski was actually 155, like a f true 155er, meaning he could not make 145. He could only fight at 155. They guys were relatively the same. Um, who wins skill for skill? I mean, I, I would like to think if Volkanovski was a true 55er and he fights Mahachev, hey, I think he wins the fight. I, I, I think it's hard to deny that based on what we saw with him being a smaller man coming up. It's not like Israel Adesanya coming up to fight Jan Blachowicz and it was not even close. He showed him that there are weight classes for a reason. 185 to 205 is too much of a weight gap for you to not put on this size and think that you're going to come up 20 pounds against me who probably walks around 30 pounds heavier than you and think you're going to beat me. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not saying it can't happen because you see people get co-clocked in the street all the time with size discrepancies, but we're talking about two high-level trained professional athletes. They get in there. They make the competition. One's the champion 185. One's the champion 205. He goes up 20 pounds, walks in the cage. I think they said like, uh, 195 or 200 and he's fighting a guy who cuts down to 205 he's already given up the size advantage on top of what he's going to rehydrate to probably 220 225 pound for pound who is better that is a big difference between that performance and this performance um conor mcgregor coming up to 155 fighting eddie alvarez that performance versus his other performance at 45 it's Pound for pound, he was solid. You know what I mean? So it's like when we're comparing those things, and obviously when he fought Khabib, it's completely different. Khabib showed that he was truly the best 155er at the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about strictly this when we have the best of the best, which is now Mahachev versus the best of the best of 145, which is now Volkanovski, and then they fight. But one has to make the sacrifice of going up. It's not like TJ coming down to 135 and cutting extra weight that he's never even made before. So pound for pound, it's like, yeah, you killed yourself to make it, but is it actually equal? If Henry had came up or they met in a, like a catchweight middle, it's just it just depends on how you look at it. So for me, I don't think Volkanovski should lose his number one spot. 
That's what I think. I know a lot of people who are the crazy bandwagon nut huggers who don't want to hear anything other than, Inshallah, he's the greatest. Inshallah, he's the greatest. Inshallah, he's the greatest. Inshallah, he's the greatest. He can't be touched. He can't be. He, nobody can defeat him. He is the best. He is. Dude, shut up, man. That is such an annoying. Like, I, I can you tell I'm annoyed by this? Very, very annoyed by this. It's just the most. It's like, why are we even competing if you think that Inshallah, he's the best ever? It's like, well, why even compete? If you're just gonna say any anything against what I say and say no, there's no way it can happen. I'm just like, so, all right, so this guy shouldn't even fight because whatever you say is just is just God's word. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, relax. We're, this is competition. People compete for things like this to happen because this is one of the greatest sports where there is a lot of upsets. For instance, I'm prime example number one. My coach, Matt Serra, prime example number two, maybe even number one. Not even having a chance in hell to beat Matt, um, George St. Pierre. He knocks him out. I mean, not a chance in hell. There's no way you're not on his level. There's no way you could close the gap, blah, blah, blah. You got to take it now. You're not even, he's not even a wrestler. He's a boxer and he threw your... Dude, this is why we compete. If I listened to half the critics out there who told me what I cannot, cannot do, I would not be here right now. And you guys would not give a damn about what I say about right now because I would not be important. My takes would not even matter. But obviously, I'm here for a reason because I, I battled through a gauntlet. Same thing. Volkanovski battled through a gauntlet. Mahachev battled through a gauntlet. Now he's here. So we have this matchup, and it's just like, I just don't feel... Based on that performance, and they could run it back, and Mahachev could knock him out, and I could be like, okay, that's number, he's pound for pound for me. I, I give it to him. But based on that performance, you can't go tit for tat where some people think that you actually lost the fight for you to say that you take the number one spot because you beat the smaller man. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, he fought at the same weight class as you, but come on, in history, we know he is a small man. We know Mahachev cannot, cannot by any means, unless he's sick on his deathbed. Make 145. It just wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? So pound for pound, I still think Volkanovski holds his spot. Mahachev should be number two, number three, whatever. Still floating around there um, because I think he showed some chinks in his armor that he is good. But if someone in that weight class, let's say a Benil Dariush, let's say a rematch between Charles Oliveira. Um, I don't even know who else is that good. Maybe a rematch between Sharyukin. Uh... Who else is there at 155 that's an up-and-coming? Fiziv, um, Rafael Fiziv. These are good matchups that could give us a lot of answers in terms of where Mahachev really is in this pound-for-pound list that everyone cares about. To me, the pound-for-pound is so subjective that does not even matter. I really don't care about it. I know the fans do, and I'm saying if I had to go by this list of pound-for-pound, I still, vote, still think Volkanovski is number one and Mahachev would be number two. Just based on that performance, because if they're that neck and neck with one giving up 10 pounds to the much bigger man and he fought his ass off like that, guys, give credit where credit is due. Mahachev won the fight, yes. Um, I didn't know which way it was going to go. I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to be a draw. And if it wasn't a draw, I thought it was going to be leaning towards Mahachev. I have to go back and watch it again and see what I really do think. And another thing, Mahachev had Volkanovski's back multiple times. There was almost little to no damage done. People sh people went to bat to try to say, I stalled the fight, didn't do anything against Jan. Uh, I ran away and all I wanted to do is hug. But again, this is what I say. It's like when these other guys do it from the other side of the world, the, the Europeans, um, these I don't hear like the same. 
at least in my comments, I don't see this. I don't see people on on my Twitter line or on, like uh, Instagram while I'm looking at the post from the UFC, ESPN. I don't see the fans, whether they're hardcore or casuals. I don't care. I just don't see them jumping at him and criticizing him doing that. But when I do it, it's an, it's an issue. It's like they expect me, maybe because I'm black, that I'm supposed to go out there and just start throwing hands. I'm like, no, I actually like grappling. I'm a very good grappler, and I'm going to stick to what I'm actually good at. Good at. So if you want to call me the black Khabib, you want to call me the black um, Dagestani, the black Georgian, the black Chechen, whatever you want to call me. Black Jamaican, Chechen, black Jamaican, Georgian, I, like whatever, dude. Like At the end of the day, I'm using my grappling to my advantage, but when I do it, it's a problem, and I'm actually looking for submissions. I'm not saying Mahachev wasn't. But Volkanovski did a very good job of neutralizing the wrist control and making it extremely difficult for Mahachev to submit him. And that just shows good defense. So what Piotr Jan did, the same exact thing. Great defense. They both did their homework. Volkanovski did his homework. Piotr Jan did his homework. They both survived in those positions. They didn't get take a lot of damage. Even though I will say that Jan took more damage than Volkanovski took in, in damage in this 25-minute fight. In my personal opinion, you could go back and watch the strike count and see who actually threw more punches in that position and did more damage. And you guys be the critics there. And leave the comments. Let me know what you honestly do think. Because I remember from my fight, watching it multiple times and watching that fight, Mahachev had a lot of control time, but there wasn't a lot of damage done in those positions. And then on top of that, when Volkanasi was giving up his back in that fourth round, I didn't know how to score that round. And I jokingly said it's a 10-8. Guys, I know it's not a 10-8. I jokingly said that because... He's playing to the crowd while he's in a bad position, not in trouble in any threat of any danger because he's not being actively having to defend submissions or Kimura locks, arm bars. And he's punching Mahachev in his face, yelling at him, yelling at the crowd, and just putting on a show. And I just thought that was fun and entertaining. I'm like, man, this is supposed to be a position where he's supposed to be panicking and shitting himself. And he's actually having a great time and landing a lot of damage in this position where I'm like, you can make a case that he actually won that round or that round is a 10-10. Like, you can't have a dominant position and get beaten up more in that dominant position and be like, yeah, I won the round. It just doesn't add up. But, hey, what do I know, right? I don't know much. I guess people don't, whatever. Either way, great fight, man. It had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Like, yeah, it wasn't this crazy war, but you had this tenseness. Every time Mahachev got him down, you're like, oh, it's over. He's going to submit him. And then Volkanovski survives. He gets up and he's like, yeah, I told you. If I get taken down, good luck trying to finish me. Like, I put myself through the ringer and I know I'm ready for this. And then Mahachev would crack Volkanovski. And I'm like, oh, he's about to knock him out. Islam was right. He's about to knock him out. He wants to knock him out and he's going to knock him out. Then he survives and he comes back and he pushes back and throws his own combinations. Um, great fight, man. Back and forth. I do hope at some point that they do it again. But I would like to see both these guys stay in their weight classes. Fight the next true contender. And if they both win, maybe we can have that conversation again because I don't think there's any other clear-cut contender at 145 or at 155. Like, you get, you got Max Holloway. If he loses to um, Arnold Allen, I think you can make that case that Arnold Allen should be next, like, for sure. And he shouldn't have to wait or have to do another one. And then you have Charles Oliveira versus Darius, who I do think Darius should just not have that fight and just go fight Islam Mahachev. Let's book that now. Let's book that now for a couple months down the line. Even if it's in October, just give Darius the title shot that he deserves. And let's see what happens. That's just my personal opinion. I, I like to do things on merit. And we get into the sport because we could kind of control our destiny. But you shouldn't have to change who you are. And if you don't want to talk shit, man, you shouldn't have to talk shit to sell a fight, to, to be a character, to get people to want to watch you fight. If you're good at your job, 
you are good at your job. As long as you have the opportunity to perform and show that for the fans, that's all that matters to me. Um, I do enjoy a good trash talking, but that's just me personally. Um, just makes more at stake and more in line. And I'm just excited to see what's going to happen at 155 and at 145 because now I think that fight has sparked new life and new new um, momentum. I think Islam actually showing that he could be hurt. I mean, he got dropped in that fifth round. I, I, I mean, he might not say he did, but, dude, you got hit, and then you went down and then you shot, like, immediately right after. And um, I think that would be the definition of getting dropped. Um, I'm not saying he was, like, hurt. Like, oh, my God, he was almost knocked out, but he got cracked. Maybe saw a quick flash, dropped down, and then shot in. Volk stuffed it, and then he pulled guard, and then he ended the fight on top, throwing punches. You know? So... That's, that's pretty much it. So at the, at the end of the day, it was a great fight. And I think that just shows the 155 is like, hey, man, if we actually do the right work. And this is what I don't understand. Though the Dagestani guys are great at what they do, but there's also a deficiency in the defense of what the other fighters have been doing. They're not doing their horn. They're not doing the two-on-ones. They're not isolating the wrist. They're not using the cage to the advantage to stay up, not use it as a... A hindrance, meaning you get taken down and it's your enemy. Use the cage as your friend to stay upright. Make him work. Um, and not just Makachev. Make anybody work. Anyone who's trying to crotch sniff you. You're a crotch sniffer. Ooh, they don't like crotch sniffers, but you can't stop the takedown. That's your problem, not mine. If you can't do the homework, Volkanovski is a prime example of someone who's not a wrestler, been taken down by Max Holloway, been taken down by Chad Mendez. He's been taken down by a couple of people at this point. And he showed that if you do the homework, you can either survive, you can escape, you can stuff takedowns, and you could do damage. So if you can't do that, the problem is within you and your camp, and you need to figure that out. Do your homework. Like Dana White says, be Volkanovski. Don't be Joe Pfeiffer. Be Volkanovski for this one right now. Like Joe, be Joe Pfeiffer when you need to be Joe Pfeiffer. But right now, be Volkanovski. You want to learn how to stop takedowns. Do what he did. Follow the blueprint. And that's your recipe for success. That's it. Mic drop. Next up, we got Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. This was a bomb burner fight that I expected. And I said, man, the kicks of Yair Rodriguez is so dangerous and powerful and fast. It's like a whip with bones on it or a baseball bat on it. The way he just whack. It's very, very impressive. The ones he was landing to the body, and then Josh was almost like eating it and then coming back with something. But as he was coming back, like he would try to do like a soft check and crack back. And as he got hit to the body, Yair followed up with a beautiful cross, a kick-punch combination. One that I really, really love, and you can see me doing that against Cody Stamen, um, throwing the kick, and every time he checked in, he tried to step in. I come back with either the same side or the cross-side attack. But Yair here was going same side, bow, bow. And... Man, lit him up, calf kicked the crap out of him a couple of times. And I was like, dude, you can't eat too many of those calf kicks by a guy like a year because you will be immobilized and it will hurt. And then Emmett, as I said, who throws heat, catches him one time on the chin. And I thought the fight was about to be over. I was like, wow, he had a great first three and a half minutes of the first round. And now the fight's over literally seconds later. That's just how crazy, when you get to the top level, man, this is why I love this sport. You just never know what's going to happen. The highest of the highest level. Um, it's a high-level chess match, man. Like, Emmett could have knocked him out 
And Yair could have kept teeing him up and kept escaping all the big punishment, the big shots. He looked great after the fight, didn't take too much damage. Um, and even off of his back, when he got rocked, he recovered. He tied up Josh Emmett, who showed the growth. You're not going to take me down anymore and think you're going to see the same Yair Rodriguez that fought BJ Penn. No, 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 no. I learned. I evolved. I am better now from my mistakes. And if you take me down, just know there's going to be punches, there's going to be elbows, and there's going to be submission attempts. Beautiful triangle choke finish from Yair Rodriguez, who, honestly, I think he got taken down kind of because he went a little... Reckless with his attack, just being super aggressive. And being super aggressive sometimes puts you in a vulnerable position where he got taken down. Okay, cool. Now he's back in the guard. He felt like he was fine in his guard in the first round. Emmett was hurt at this point. He was putting on some good paces of kicks and punishment on Emmett. And once it hit the ground, followed up with some more elbows. Emmett just trying to cover up. And eventually he slapped on that triangle. And, and dude, that's what this fight's all about. It's like you never know until you get in there. Like Emmett can crack. But when you got a guy who's longer and so fast and your style is just literally to bomb on somebody, you got to connect if you want to win. Well, you got a guy who's got good footwork and he's got good timing, good awareness. Yeah, yeah, Rodriguez is going to be a problem for Volkanovski as well. I truly do believe that. Um, looks like he's getting better and his long range could be problematic if Volkanovski does try to take him down. The kicking range, if he sits outside, Makachev almost kicked him a couple times with the head kick where he got one hand up at the last second where if it was just a little bit more down or that kick came up a little bit higher, that could potentially be a TKO situation for Volkanovski. Game of inches. Great fight. Um, I'm looking much, I'm very much looking forward to the unification of Yair Rodriguez versus Alexander Volkanovski. It's going to be a great fight. I cannot wait to see that. Randy Brown versus Jack Della Maddalena. Crazy, 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 crazy fight. Um, I don't even know what else to say about JDM. I, I'm a believer now. I mean, I was a believer before, but obviously he's fighting a fellow Jamaican. Um, four first-round finishes in a row. One, two, three, four. Randy Brown, Danny Roberts, Ramazan, Emiv, um, Pete Rodriguez. And Ramazan, Emiv is one of those... Um, Dagestani Russian strikers, very dangerous. And uh, for him to knock him out, liver punch, it just goes to show you that this guy, the sky is a limit for this guy. He's not afraid of nobody. He's down to bite down on his mouthpiece and just put it on you and start swinging some bombs. And his hands, I got to see how big his fists are because it looks like he's got sledgehammers for fists. Kind of reminds me of John Lineker. For 135, Lineker has some freaking paws, bro. So you get a guy like that who connects where you, his fist is like the size of my head. Like, that's a lot of real estate and a lot of force distributed to, like, boof. <laughs> I'm a sound effects guy. Guys, sometimes it can be a little weird. This is just my personality. People don't always get to see this, though, because I, I do this amongst my friends. Um, but sometimes the viewers, you know, I get to share that side with you guys. But, yeah, very big believer of him now. Um, I was a believer before. I'm just, you know, I got excited with my, my local... New Yorker and fellow Jamaican brethren. Unfortunately, he got caught against the cage. He was looking good. It was like when he kicked him with that front kick to the face and he like that big toe, that big toe toenail touched Jack Madalena's nose and his lip. I think the toenail touching his lip got him so tight that he was like, nah, you're not about to just put your big toe on my lip and just get away with it. And then he just went, went after Randy from there. And once he closed the gap... He just started unloading, and 
one of the things I, I, I think was a flaw from Randy was when he was reaching out. That's where Mandolina kind of came around and landed that perfect right hand right around the chin. It looked like it hit him like right, like a behind the ear, but like on the neck slash chin, it looked like it got like this entire spot right here. And his whole entire equilibrium just went and he face planted. And that was tough, man. That was tough to watch because like, I'm glad Jack didn't like kill him in that position because that could have been really bad, you know. Um, you see some career changing, altering fights in situations like that where guys face plant because it's a double knockout. Like you, you, I fell face first against Marlon Moraes and I was very nervous about that. Meaning like, what would my chin be like afterwards? Could I take another shot? I got crushed with a knee and now landing face first with free falling, free falling, boom, top of my head. I was like, that's not good. So yeah. I was kind of worried about that. Hopefully he's good and, you know, it's not going to be too much. But, again, just going back to the defense, you see DC will always do the mummy defense and then he'll swipe as a smaller guy at heavyweight and tie people up and then he'll take them down or throw them. But that defensive style is so dangerous. And he, I feel like he did that against John Jones where he pushes his hands out a lot and that's why he got caught with that head kick. Um, go back and look at that. And you just see the tendencies where John was able to pick up on that. And they even had a back and forth where he was like, what, are you going to throw the left kick? He's like, we know that's my main um, vulnerable, vulnerable spot where we think we know where we could get in trouble. And guess what? It eventually did happen. And uh, he caught him with the left high kick. Um, so, yeah, man, it was just one of those things. I think one small mistake, I'm not saying like that would have changed a whole lot, but you watch Madalena in the pocket. Every time Randy's jabbing, he's like slowly parrying. The other hand's protecting, and he's getting his hands up in the right, the right places to defend, absorbing shocks to his forearms, to his hands, not really taking anything solid on the guard. Like Randy was landing these spot-on shots that could not get through the guard of Madalena, and he still was seeing everything as he's moving, parrying, looking for counter combinations, and pressuring Randy Brown backwards. So beautiful fight for him. I'm going to have to watch that again because I want to take some notes and see what he was doing that was super high level with his defensive guard and see how I could use that for myself. Um, I think that's really all we're going to talk about. This is going to be relatively short. I got a lot of fights I need to like catch up on that I didn't get to watch. So I watched pretty much the majority of the main card. I missed the first round of Jimmy Crew. I heard that was crazy. Ended in a majority draw. Justin Taffa sent part of Porker to the gulags. I don't even know what part of Porker was thinking to run in like that and just get into a firefight. Like, it was almost as if he was bored and didn't want to take his time, which I found really, really odd. Because I'm like, dude, take your time. This is not a sprint. Take your time with Tafa. Don't go running in. He landed the perfect left hand right on the button and put him out, you know? So I look at that, and um, he's come a long way from when he fought John Jones back in 2008 and finally making his UFC debut. Um, good for him. It's just, again, I just think he made a a hasty decision trying to really push the pace that fast and got caught, man. And these things happen. Um, so hopefully he can bounce back. That's now two in a row for him, two losses, two finishes. Rennick a choke in round one, and now count left in round one as well. Um, and his other losses, UFC debut to Chris Dawkins was a TKO loss in round one as well towards the end of the round. So uh, I know that could be a little frustrating, but yeah. I see these guys, I'm like, what's the point of doing an entire training camp if you're going to go out there and just kind of just go the caution to the wind like that? I mean, I guess you can get lucky a good amount of times where you can get to the UFC a good amount of times where you can win a couple fights. But you get to a guy who's like a Tafa, takes his time and pinpoint accurate. 
and just waits for the perfect shot. I'm not saying he couldn't have, he could have slept Tafa. A couple of those shots were close, but he didn't. So it's the game you play. You play a risky game when you fight like that. And of course, it's more exciting, especially with the big boys. He he brought the heat, which we all like to see. I Hey, I am a fan to watch fights like that. But you would not see me go through an eight, 10-month training, 10-week um, training camp just to go out there and fight like that. I did that against Jan, the first one, because I explained the story at nauseam already. Um, and again, I just thought that was my only way of winning because I was so exhausted coming into the fight for whatever reason, not eating properly, maybe not rehydrating all the way, but I think it wasn't, yeah, rehydrating, eating properly. And I had no energy. And I thought, okay, let me just gas pedal him. Maybe I could get him out of the, in the first round like I did Corey Sanhagen. It did not work. <laughs> it didn't work. And it was a terrible game plan, you know? Um, but whatever. Uh, that's all we got for tonight, guys. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, go check out my song, Go Dumb, myself, Troy Grimes, my brother, Troy Sterling, on all streaming platforms. Go to my website, aljermainsterling.com. I thank you guys for always tuning in, showing some love. If you got some questions, drop them in the comments because we got some fights coming up this week that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Nassim um, Sadikov is going to be fighting at the Apex this weekend. I'll do a breakdown on that fight later this week. So I'll be in the building for the Apex I'll see you guys there. Thanks for always tuning in. And if you like my shit, subscribe to this shit. Or spin it back for this, baby. Bow, 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 bow. See you guys later. Peace. Yeah. <laughs>